in the trenches with Ryan Roxy. Hello, 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 everybody. Ryan Roxy here. Welcome to another live stream edition of In the Trenches podcast with Ryan Roxy. I am your host. Uh, what is happening today? I'll tell you. Look at I'm I'm in a world of red right now. A world of red. I'm actually in a world of excitement because it's not every day that uh, I get to bring on the show true influences and there's no lie about this this is a rock and roll influence that has uh influenced many a band especially yours truly um for just playing ballsy punk rock and roll straight ahead there's so many ways to describe rock and roll whether whether it's with attitude and punk this man has all of that and he's been kicking ass for years i want to invite in the trenches would you please Welcome, Michael Monroe. Hello, Michael. Hello, hello. Hey, Ryan. How you doing? <laughs> hello, everybody. You got We're in time. trenches, Ryan Roxy. Talk about this and that. <laughs> We're in rock and roll. Talk about all that crap. Yay. <laughs> the lockdown blues. <laughs> we've, we've got a new theme song already. That's it. It just it, We've got our own special theme song for today. Michael Monroe is our guest on In the Trenches. If you are listening to this on a regular podcast, you might want to uh, visualize it and get over to uh, YouTube or Facebook Live because right now you've got the man, uh, not the myth, he's definitely the legend, uh, Michael Monroe with us today. We have to talk about so many things. Like We, we had a little chat yesterday when we were doing our sound check. Folks, we did a sound check for this. But uh, the, the one main thing we wanted to sort of get out of this is that we want to hype up the new album one man gang and the newest video last train to tokyo and i see that you're a little bit frozen there i hope that doesn't mean that you're frozen for good um are you there michael michael's frozen okay so what we do now when this stuff is sort of things happen nobody panics nobody freaks out because this is the internet and it is the days that we're doing it um michael Let's see if we can remove you and then bring you back on when he comes back on. And uh, we will see what we can do technically. And guess what? Michael took the first train from Finland onto the Into Trenches podcast, but somehow got derailed. But then he got back on with us. Hey. Story modern- of my life. I'm not, <laughs> not user friendly. I told it. <laughs> and wasn't that going to be one of the music titles that we had for like a new, I, 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 you said it, but then I suggested, you know what? You need to write a song called not user friendly because. Yeah. I used that line in a song in 96. I'm not user friendly. Drugs trying to use me. Computers trying to program me. Uh, 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 I'm not user friendly. I used that line, but it could be a title. And, uh, because these days, I mean, when you get to a show, usually backstage, you get somebody's in the old days, somebody always says, anybody got a line? Are you holding? <laughs> you know, and nowadays it's, are you online? Yeah. What's the password? Yeah. Anyone got and a they, password? They used to check the fe- <laughs> yeah. And then they used to check the females. Now they check the emails. Damn. So there's some lyrics for this. I'm not user friendly. <laughs> I'm telling you, Michael, yeah. if you weren't, if you weren't already a, a, a uh, legendary frontman, you could easily be a heavyweight boxer because you have all the lines of Muhammad Ali, huh? <laughs> Float like a yeah, butterfly, like... sting like a bee. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Little Richard was the king of all that. You know? Oh man, 
Cool. Well, I, I created rock and roll. Didn't know what I was doing. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and Prince, what did he say? Prince, baby, I had a purple Cadillac before you was born, baby. And uh, <laughs> he is such a classic. Little Richard, still today, the best rock and roll singer of all time. Man. I got to tell you, in my why, books. Why not? Anyway. Why not just dive all the way back? Because you know what? I you're. I thought you were. Uh, a few years older than me, and I'm right. I'm not, you know, no one has to say, you know, the, they're real I'm 57. Age. Damn. I'm 57. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I was, okay, so I'm three years younger, right? So you're just, you just got the edge on me just by a little bit, but I was, I was uh, fanboying out to Hanoi Rocks Records and sort of getting my image groomed and basically all of Southern California's image groomed back in those early days. But, you know, that three-year edge that you guys had on all of the bands, I, I do say that if there wasn't a, a Michael Monroe and a Hanoi Rocks, there probably would not be a Guns N' Roses or a hair metal scene. Could you maybe take a little bit of credit? I know you're a very humble guy, but take a little credit for that? Well, I'm, Guns N' Roses probably would have existed, but uh, maybe not in exactly the same way. But, uh, I mean, they took influences in a good way. I think they're... they're and they, they always talked about Hanoi, and it was great. I, I love those guys. Thank God for them. Yeah, I mean, but the hair metal thing, uh, there were some good bands, but then there were a lot of bands that kind of missed the point in my book that were more into the hair and big hair. And I never, first of all, I never even wanted a big hair. I just, my hair was boring and straight, so I started backcombing, which I don't do. I haven't done for years. I just wanted a little more fluffy, you know. Yeah, and then sometimes it was so <laughs> And it looked like Johnny Thunders in the New York Dolls' first album cover. Uh, but see, to us, it was about music and the attitude. It was more punky, more punk than uh, than this posing thing. But uh, I mean, yeah, it's flattering, and uh, uh, I'm, I must have done something right. And uh, no, you did a lot. It's of great to right. have have an, have an influence. But it's Guns N' Roses, especially, they got the point right, and they had their own thing, and that's why. Yeah. They were so uh, so uh, so strong because uh, they had their own own personality, but they took influence in the right way, like we did too. We, did, we got yeah. influenced by everybody from Little Richard to the Rolling Stones to the Ramones. Yeah, and and, and like uh, you said, you even mentioned album covers that you guys looked at and sort of studied as we did. Uh, obviously, New York Dolls albums covers, and and you know we obviously studied uh, the Heartbreakers, Johnny Thunders, and the Heartbreakers. Of course, of the, course, man. They were the forefathers of punk. But uh, yeah, I mean, with this uh, hair metal thing, which I was always I was blamed for. Blamed for. <laughs> I, was, I mean, of course, uh, you know, it's nice to have people, uh, you know, uh, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery and all that. But, uh, you know, it's not about sex and drugs, rock and roll. You know, to me, it was such cliches. So I wrote a song called Dead Jail or Rock and Roll. It was more like realistic and uh, it ain't no fun and games. And it's not about partying and having chicks, as you know, to me, anyways. I mean, I've never been with a groupie in my life. I could never imagine spending a night with a complete stranger and then having, you know, some stranger maybe have my baby or something, you know, I just, maybe because I'm finished, you know, I was brought up normally, more normal than uh, most rockers think that's normal. That's like, yeah, you know, chicks and all that. A lot of guitarists or rock musicians in America say they started playing music to get chicks. I'm like, what? I'm glad they could play a little on the side, you know, while they're chasing the girls. <laughs> you know, I was like, so to me, it was about music, you know, and uh, it was really that first and foremost, you know, I'll be I was honest, I, I was 50, 50. I think I, I, it was about the chicks for me. Yeah. yeah. But I, but then yeah. again, I'm that, I'm that kid from Northern California, but you know what, Michael, <laughs> 
You are the MythBuster. You are now the rock and roll MythBuster because just in that one little soliloquy of of talking, you have just basically busted a bunch of rock and roll myths, which is really important because there's a reason why I'm interviewing Michael Monroe. When I was looking at his album covers in the early 80s, whether it was, you know, uh, Back to Mystery City or, of course, the Bob Ezrin produced uh, album. That I think you're, you're pretty foul, pretty proud of that album, Two Steps from, Two the, Step move. from the Move. Yeah, so yeah. There's a reason I'm sitting here talking to you and we're still both here. We've been in the trenches of rock and roll. Obviously, you, yeah. you've been really, really, you know, down, up. You've been in helicopters in your videos. I know that, but you've always in, hell, uh, <laughs> in helicopters and in hell and back to hell and back many a times. And I'm still here to listen to everyone tell me about it. <laughs> but the thing you have is this. What is this PMA? Is that is that what kind of gets you through everything? Because I read that somewhere where you have this go go positive it, mental attitude. Please explain that and what it's all about, because I think that's so important to your success and to success of people that really try to make it in this business, right? Well, yeah. Well, you try to concentrate on the positive more than the negative, because the the more what you concentrate on usually tends to multiply. And to me, you know, if you concentrate on how everything sucks and all that, then then life is going to start sucking for real. So I figure it's best to just, uh, you know, try to focus on the positive and uh, make the best out of life. And uh, I'm happy. It doesn't take a lot, take a lot to make me happy. I never dreamed about mansions and limousine services and then being a millionaire. I just wanted to make a living out of being a rocker, but uh, you know, by doing what I love doing the most, I started out in the streets uh, of Stockholm with Hanoi rocks. We, me and Sammy Alpha and nasty suicide the first half a year, we lived on the streets homeless, but I was happy because I had nothing to lose, and I I, I, was, <laughs> I can make a living. I don't even need a need a home, you know. And <laughs> once I got a roof over my head, I was like, "Wow, this is luxury." So you know, that's where it started. And the only way to go was up. And uh, as long as I didn't compromise my integrity, I was being honest, played from the heart, and true to myself, and not compromise for the wrong reasons. Nobody could ever blackmail me, you know, or extort me with money or anything like that. Because I said, "You could keep your money. I don't need it," you know. So. That's why I, you know, that was my basis for the whole thing. And if you do it for the right reasons, therefore, nobody can take it away from you. What you have, nobody can take away from you. If you take a shortcut and you cheat, then you're you're not on such a solid foundation. So to me, I said, okay, no one, no one could make me do what I don't want to do, and no one take take away from me what I have. And there had to be at least one band or artist that that wouldn't do just anything for money, because you know it would be too easy to sell out and. To a fault, I've been true to my principles, and a lot of people say, "Are you crazy?" You, you know, uh, why? You know, I could have made it. Of course, I could have made it a little bit easier myself. <laughs> I was so, it was so important to me to stay true to my beliefs and my, you know, what I thought. You You're know, true to everything. Maybe, you know, when 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 I, when I folks when we did our sound check yesterday, and we we you know with Michael Monroe, it, it does sort of the image does go hand in hand because you have such a strong rock and roll image but that's who you are it's not a it's not a pose it's not mm-hmm. it's not fake you know even had an album title named not fake in it right and yeah. <laughs> and you know this is you 24 mm-hmm. 7 because when we did the sound check yesterday maybe you had a tiny bit less eye, eye makeup on but not much and and you you 
you look pretty much exactly the same as when we sound checked yesterday when no cameras were on or when no nobody was live streaming. So Yeah, you thought I was dressed up already. <laughs> 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 Thank you. Yeah, I mean this is me. I figured I could be, you know, I don't put on a uniform to go on stage and uh well Alice Cooper said it uh, when when he said about talked about Jim Morrison saying like Jim Morrison died because he was trying to be Jim Morrison 24 hours, but he had a heavy image you know self-destruction all that so i decided i could be this 24 7 without the self-destruction you know (laughs) just you know just like i do and uh well i wear makeup every day and you know just just for myself you know this is the way i am it's the way i like to look so uh you know it doesn't have to be uh uh, you know an act well but you you, i'm for real anyway but please tell me have you ever done the splits in public the splits? You, yeah, have you ever done this in split? public? Yes, on stage. No, I know you've what done you it mean? on stage. I know you do. You do it on stage. In fact, that's one of the things that uh, it, that's more than inspiring. It's uh, that, that I look <laughs> up with your with your live performance. But have you ever done the splits just for no reason in public? Well, sometimes people say, "Ah, oh, come on, Michael, do the splits." And uh, <laughs> some some occasions, uh, I've taken photos. For example, with. Um, uh, with, with Cheryl Cooper, we did the splits uh, next to the stage at the Swindon show, right. uh, and she's on the video. She's on for a couple of seconds. You can see that on the video of our, our song "Going Down with the Ship." We both doing the splits next to the stage uh, right. during the solo. I think it was. I asked, asked Cheryl's permission. She said, "Of course." We always do the splits together. <laughs> so, for various reasons, I may do them off stage as well, and that was a good reason because it's can you still do the splits. Of course, yeah, you know, let's go. What? Cheryl is so wonderful. I love her. She's amazing. You know, imagine talk about being in good shape for you know. Of course, of course. How long you've been on the planet? She's been that she's is, been doing so, all that stuff and all those acrobatics. But I gotta tell you, go ahead. I gotta tell you this though. Some in so many interviews, people say, "So Michael, when you can't do the splits anymore, uh, how are you gonna you know are you gonna give up your career? What am I a circus act? No. I mean, come on, no. <laughs> I'm a singer first and foremost, so." I think I'll still be able to sing. And and I remember, <laughs> hey, you can do a, a, a sort of version of it, just a, maybe a, lo- a longer leg stretch, because I did go see, um, who who was it, Chuck Berry, in his later years. And of course, wow. yeah, of course, he's playing all these. I saw him in Stockholm, and he's playing, wow. you know, all the hits. But of course, everybody's waiting for the duck walk. But let me tell you, uh-huh. when he finally did do that 2.1 seconds of duck walk, the place went mad. So I think if you even just spread your legs wider apart for one song, you know, when, <laughs> when, when you're like not in your 90s, all right, this is way, way long, you know. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's a good it's a good kind of curse for me, a curse in, in quotes, because I have to stay in shape to be able to do what I do. Exactly. And I have to, it has to look easy on stage, right? Yeah. I mean, you, nobody wants to see a guy with a beer belly huffing and puffing with the face all red and sweating you know you know it's it's got to look easy and uh therefore i have to stay in shape to be able to do what i what i do for a living so hopefully hopefully knock on wood that'll uh mean that i'll live a healthy long life i hope what well, goes hand in hand with you, it goes hand in hand with you being a front man and and also you know having such a rock and roll iconic uh, symbol with you, which is the saxophone, which you play the hell out of, by the way, and the harmonica. Those are the two instruments, I think. Well, saxophone, you've taken it on to, to another level by yourself, I feel. But but harmonica is kind of like a, a singer's rock and roll sort of handgun. I think, you know, Alice plays a little harmonica in 18. I know St- Steven Tyler plays yeah. harmonica. Yeah, what, he played on... I was, the, what the was it that got you guys... 
what was it that got you to those early performers that inspired you to be the sort of front man that you are today and, you know, take on those other instruments? Was it Tyler or was it, you know, more punk rockers as well, but or a combination of all of them? It was like Little Richard, uh, also Steven Tyler, uh, but Little Richard, uh, saxophone. I started playing the sax when I figured, you know, it's part of rock and roll, like the piano. Absolutely. Uh, I went and bought a sax, uh, the coasters, you know, uh, and uh, Junior Walker, uh, Clarence Clemens was an inf- influence on that. But I just started going for the 50s raspy sound, you know, like the, the Wanderer, you know, with the, that kind of, and that's kind of my shtick. Um, uh, but it ain't a stick. It ain't a stick. You know the instrument. You know the instrument really well. It ain't like you're not like a one trick pony with it. You have actually done a lot of different, you know, a lot of playing on it. You know, especially yeah, those early Hanoi's. Go ahead. Yeah, and even recently, there's a there's a Finnish girl group that is three girls who sing like you know three part harmonies. That were uh, I played some sax on their record. They did mellow saxophone. That's a hard hard riff to do. It's kind of jazz, you know. Absolutely. So I like to visit different areas. But I think I play a better sa- harp than sax. I don't practice sax that much, but uh, I guess I should improve my sax life. But, you know, the, the harp is so, so much yeah, right. uh, easier. so much easier. It's so much easier to carry along with you. You always have a harp and... Uh, I play blues punk. You know, my, that's my style. Blues punk of <laughs> harmonica. I like it, man. So well, I yeah. know that you've I know that you've actually played harmonica on some G and R's albums as well, right? Yeah, yeah. If you could, you see in the back there is a, a gold record of. Uh, I don't want to lose that internet. I don't want to lose. Don't move that computer. <laughs> it's all over backwards. Yeah, back there you can see. I can when see they an had album. Sold yeah. million, use your illusion album back there. Mm. <laughs> wherever it is. Yep, I see it. Uh, they sent me this uh, triple platinum record. Uh, I played on a song called Bad Obsession. Uh, I played some harp and saxophone on that. Oh. And uh, th- th- that was um, 1990 yeah. or 91, something like that. Well, uh, and played the harp and the sax, actually a sax section right. on that. But uh, what was your question again? Well, my, no, my, my question was that I, you know, a lot of times people think that, okay, because we we play in different rock and roll bands, everybody must know each other. They know each other for years. There's this sort of fraternity of rock and roll. And a lot of times we don't meet people until either later in late, way later in years, or we meet them very briefly at a um, uh, festival or something like that. And, and you and I sort yeah. of initially met, I, I told you yesterday, we met in the late 80s when we both lived in New York City. And yeah. uh, it was during the album, uh, not faking it. And I and my singer Shane introduced me to you. We went up to the studio. We listened to some mixes. You were really excited about those mixes. You were, you know, uh, yeah. Should, I, I can say this in a tongue-in-cheek way. You were grinding it out in the studio, <laughs> during those, uh-huh. and you and you were and you were really excited to to release that album. And you had yet to meet Axel Rose, and yet. When you guys did the taping for the Dead Jailer Rock and Roll uh, video, there was Axel, and so I want to I want to talk about that first time you guys met and how did it all go down. Oh yeah, well we were shooting the video for Dead Jailer Rock and Roll, the song that was going to be the first single. That's what was the first single in the video for not not faking it album, right. 
and I had to sign worldwide solo deal with Polygram Records. And uh, we had, the plan was to shoot it in uh, the Alphabet City. You know, be, uh, there was a, there was this empty lot between Third and Fourth Street, and uh, I think it was between Avenue E and D. Yeah. It's really far up there, like a real crack heroin area, you know. And, and now so, it's luxury. <laughs> now you can't now even afford it, to look yeah. at it. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I mean, it used to be, uh, it became like a shanty town at some point. The, the homeless people built their own little shacks there, like, I remember you know, that. cardboard boxes. They live. Yeah. It was like it's by like the Lismore LES. Lounge, was it? Wasn't it by Lismore Lounge and that whole area? Lismore Lounge, yeah. That's, that, Lismore Lounge is a little higher up. That was more closer to Tompkins Square, uh-huh. which which used to be also a heavy area. And uh, I remember Iggy used to live by on, on uh, I think it was 10th Street and... Uh, yeah, well, there's the well, that, there's my flat. Hey, okay. now talk <laughs> my talk, East Third Street. Talk, okay, before we get into the Guns and Roses or the the Axel Rose meeting, you actually lived next door to the Hell's Angels, so you definitely had some friends in in higher or lower places, whatever you want to look at. But this is oh yeah, <laughs> see this the the picture with me jumping up. You can see my the. Uh, second, uh, the not the highest floor, but the second to highest floor, the gray building. There's the, the fire escape. That was my, those were my windows. Those four windows, my living my bedroom and my living room, and you can see the 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 court where the where the flag is rigged up. Uh, my friend Eddie from the Hell's Angels. I was on their good side. I went to introduce myself when I moved into the block. I lived there for ten years, and they were watching the street. You know, twenty four hour watch. I lived across the street, and uh, my friend Eddie from the Angels, he knocked on my door that morning. The 4th of July party, they used to block off the street for two days and nights, and there were like fireworks. All, there was like downtown Beirut. Uh, I don't mean the club. I mean the, <laughs> the bar. I mean, I mean like really war zone. And you could come by at your own risk. And they, my friend Eddie came knocking on my door that morning. He says, yo, Mike, can you use your fire escape? And they, I said, yeah, sure, go ahead. And they, there was another angel on the other side of the street in the other building, and they rigged up the American flag like that, and then their logo. So when you look from the end of the block, you'd see Hells Angels, New York City. No so, doubt whose uh, who's block it was. And also their vice president, uh, this guy Teddy, he was a big fan of Bruce Springsteen's. And uh, I was at uh, Little Steve Little Steve Van Zandt, very important, uh, yeah. uh, very my best friend in New York when we lived there. He uh he was doing a show. I love his solo stuff. Voice of America, that album was just like very important for me. And uh, his second solo album, No Compromise, No Regrets, had a song called Native American, which is a duet with Bruce. So Bruce came to sing that duet with him at the Ritz, the old Ritz on 11th Street. That was a great venue. I remember that. So I was at that show and uh, as I was trying, I was, you know, I had met Bruce through uh, Stephen, of course, at the, the Sun City Project, which was in 85 when I actually decided to move to New York when I was part of that video. The, you know, we ain't get the South City. You remember that? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, make people aware of this South African situation. You uh, in that and video that, as well. Uh, That's crazy. Yeah. And I uh, I met Bruce, you know, through Stephen. So uh, I was leaving the club and the Hells Angels vice president was downstairs at the bar saying like uh, with another angel said, yo, Mike, you have a drink with us uh, before you go. And I said, yeah, what are you doing? He says, oh, I want to see Bruce because he, he knew that Bruce was going to walk by there as he was leaving the club. So. When Bruce came by, I pulled him to his sleeve and said, would you say hi to my friend? You know, So I introduced Bruce Springsteen to the vice president of the Hells Angels. And Bruce is so nice. He talked to him for like at least a half an hour at the <laughs> bar there. So it was like, after that, you can see that. All right, Mike, whatever you need, stick your head out the window. <laughs> I love it. So I was like, uh, you know, uh, situations like that, you know, normal person doesn't usually end up in. And I've been privileged to, uh, I, you know, there was never a dull moment in that block. And uh, 
you know, the bikes were allowed is the loudest and the safest block in the city. The, the Nelson Mandela <laughs> of a rock and roll, Michael Monroe, bringing people together. I love it. Man. <laughs> no, <laughs> if you're going to bring up South fun. Africa, you know, we got to bring it Nelson Mandela. Of yeah, course. I mean, <laughs> that, that whole thing in Sun City, all these people that were involved in that project, you know, from Miles Davis to Keith Richards to, you know, Bob Dylan and Bob right. Geld of Bono, everybody, uh, you know, uh, uh, Nona Hendrix, uh, Peter Wolf. The, the oh, run DMC, all the coolest and, and biggest names in rock were part of that thing. That Ringo Starr, Zach Starkey, uh, you know, uh, Eddie Kendricks. Uh, there was, um, uh, you know, Holland uh, Oates, so Everybody. many cool big names. Yeah. Steven got together, yeah, and Grandmaster Flash and Millie Mellon. All those people for the same thing. Let's, you know, ain't going to play some city. I don't care what you pay. It was the and holiday resort that. in yeah. South Africa where a lot of bands went to play. They were paid millions, incredible amounts of money. But then they were supporting the racist government at the time. Mandela was still in jail. And apartheid so ended right first, after that. Yeah, yep. that was that. What really worked out good because after that, no bands could go there and play with a with a clear conscience. And uh, that was my first move after Hanoi Rocks had broken up. I moved to New York. That's we came to see the do the video in uh, uh, in New York uh, uh, that Stephen was shooting at uh, Washington Square Park, and that's when I decided this is my kind of. I'm going to start over after Hanoi. You know, Razzle had died and all. I, I wanted to start my you know, life over and started my solo career by moving to New York in 1985, the end of 85. And, uh, that's how, uh, you know, I started my restarted my career as a solo artist after that's where we met. uh, I was proud. I know we met then. I was proud to be part of that. And we had, I remember Shane. Yeah. Yeah. Shane and uh, Sandra, Sandra Weber, the clothing designer, amazing clothes. She, she made some, so she made this crushed velvet jacket for me. It's like violet and black and it was, Beautiful, handmade, you know, all these pearls and everything. It was incredible. Well, hey, wow, look at these photos. <laughs> Shifting <laughs> from... Look at me and Steve Bader's and, uh, me and Steve Bader's and Lemmy on the bottom there. Oh, my God. We're like the triple threat, you know? That's there a great no trio. Speed left for anyone. There was no speed left for anyone, anyone, <laughs> anyone in London. We took it all. <laughs> we did it all. We did it all. Let me ask, no, let me no, ask you this. No. All these photos that we're, that we're looking at, just so people know... You can't find a lot of them on the internet because they are kind of exclusive to your autobiography that's available in Finnish, right? Right now, it, it's not currently yeah, it's in, in English Finnish. or Japanese, <laughs> but that's the Finnish version, folks. Can we get full screen? Can we get a full screen of us there, Vic? Because that's the book. The photos, the photos are good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is... Uh, but there's the, the book. Michael Monroe autobiography that's uh, about 500 pages. It's really... And it's got... Those photos are in here from... The color spreads are. That's what I just. That's what you were looking at there. Yeah. So when when it's did too, now when did this come out in Finland and uh, is it is it going to be come out coming out in uh, other out different in editions? Fin- Go ahead. Well, it came out in Finland in uh, 2011, and then there's an updated version version that came out uh, 2013, not actually 2014 or something, and it doesn't really. It hasn't been. It hasn't been translated. There's a there's a Hanoi Rocks book that was that is um, all those wasted English. years, right? That, yeah, and uh, that was the same guy who wrote the, this book had never written a book in his life until until uh, he did the Hanoi book, and then my book. After that, he convinced me to do my book. After I uh, I was kind of like, well, what have I got to say, you know? And he said, well, I have a lot of stories. I, said, well, I guess I do. No, yeah. no, you got so a lot of stories. I, I'm telling you so right now. Labor of love. <laughs> 
with this podcast, there's going to have to be a part two because we just don't have enough. We don't have enough internet Wi-Fi right now to 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 do a, a complete <laughs> show. I think because there is so many things I, I want to get to. Because I mean, we obviously went. We're still in New York. I want to still bring our listeners back to living in New York. You're, you're living yeah, next the to the Hell's Angels, and yeah, your manager says, "Hey, there's a uh, there's this band and uh, there's this band called Guns and Roses that you obviously knew of each other, but you had never met officially." And he goes, "The, the singer wants to she wants to come down to the video shoot, or how did that work out?" And no, it was actually Axel was just happened to be in New York at the time, and we were making a video, and we were going to shoot the video at this lot in uh, yeah. Lower East Side in the Alphabet City uh, at this empty lot. But then, you know, there was I said, "What if it rains?" And the, the Scott Galbert. Uh, God bless his soul. Uh, uh, he's passed on now. Was right. filming the video. He says, "No, it's not going to rain." And that that was it was the worst downpour of rain <laughs> for like fifty years or something. It was like incredible. It's just raining so bad that we had to change the plan. So there was no plan B. But luckily, they had the Uptown SIR had a, the sound stage was available. So we moved the whole thing up there. They were handing out flyers to get all these people there to get get an audience to that that stage room and. Uh, right. We were shooting a video and Axel happened to be just, he was in a, you know, stopping by the deli in the corner to get a sandwich or something. And asked, what's going on here? There's all these police cars and stuff. And he says, somebody said, it's Michael Monroe shooting a video. So it's, oh, wow. So he came to, he wanted to introduce himself and he came to say, hi, I was, I was in a Winnebago, Vega getting makeup done. And right, he was uh, knocked on the door and he just said, hi, I'm Axel. And I say, hey, come on in. How you doing, man? At, yeah, let's go. Uh, that uh, let's see later at the shoot that uh, you know he seemed like a nice guy and we got along great and uh, then uh, he was standing outside drinking beer talking to people it was really really a, <laughs> the, so like, yeah he's a nice guy and I, I said come on in at the, maybe you like this song he says he heard the album not faking it he had had like an advanced cassette right. and he said really liked it I says oh but, uh, I've heard you sing uh, you must like that McCafferty from Nazareth so I says oh yeah so he was a big fan of Nazareth and. Uh, uh, and he said he used to listen to Love Hurts in secrecy in his bathroom because his parents wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't uh, approve of rock and roll. So, so it was like pretty heavy for him to, where he grew up. And uh, I said, well, you must like the album because I'm not faking it. It's a Nazareth song. So he said, oh, it is a Nazareth song. And so he, he didn't even know that not faking it was a Nazareth song because that album was never that big in, um, in uh, well, that's the cover. Hello, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, you fucks. <laughs> So uh, uh, he's, he's, uh, he said, oh, wow, he didn't know. Now he likes it even more because it was a Nazareth song. Loud and Proud, the album that that song was on, was apparently was never that big in the States, right? Exactly. It was that, more like Hair of the Dog and stuff like that. So, when so you we told got me all, that yesterday oh, during that, Soundcheck, when you told me that for Soundcheck, I was like, no, I didn't know either that, that Not Faking It was uh, named after a Nazareth song on a Nazareth album. And those of yeah, you that are like, listening, those of you listening right now to this podcast or watching it on YouTube or Facebook, uh, let's be honest. Be honest with yourself, and I want to see you in the comments. Did you know that it was a, uh, did you know that it was a Nazareth song, though? Be honest with yourself, all right? It's only yourself yeah, you have the, the proof. <laughs> anybody know that Not Faking It is originally done by Nazareth on the Loud and Proud album, which is one of my favorite albums Except the Ballad of Hollis Brown, the last ten minute song I always skip, but they had This Flight Tonight was on that album and Teenage Nervous Breakdown, the Little Feet cover and uh uh Go Down Fighting and a lot of great stuff and uh not faking it has a part that I left out completely. It's funny, the intro is really, really different. And Dan McCafferty, I must say, he's got a, his last album, uh this oh, one. Look at that. Uh, it's called Last Testament. 
you should check this out because it's, it's very heavy. Shout out right there. There you go. Check yeah. it out. Last Testament. He's the guy. He's the voice that influenced Axl Rose, influenced a lot of people with really this flight tonight. I mean, Love Hurts, everybody knows, but yeah. this album uh, is it's pretty sad because he's not doing that well these days. You know, he's got oh, a lung so disease good. that yeah. makes him really, uh, he, he, it's really hard for him to perform anymore. That's too it's bad. It's really sad. So well, I, he's made this album and I recommend it. It's, it's you know, it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a nice I'd, one. I'd it's a good top, one and uh, could be his last. Nazareth is definitely has one of the top uh Top four cowbell songs ever made, I think, you know? Uh, yeah, Hair of the Dog. Hair of the Dog. I mean, <laughs> I mean the, the way you, you got number one, which is obviously Don't Fear the Reaper, cowbell song, right? But then you got oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. American Band is a really good cowbell song. Um, I mean, uh-huh. Michael Monroe. You, and Mississippi Queen. Mississippi Queen. That's true. Or, or Stuck in the Middle with You, Steeler's Wheels. Oh yeah, that too. And you got got the cowbell, but that sounds like the uh, choir boys. A little bit, (laughs) yeah. It's five. (laughs) What is it? Uh, It's time for the party. (laughs) Shout out to the choir boys. Everyone's getting shout outs. McCafferty, choir boys. Let's let's that uh, drift off too far from the subject. New York City. Yes. Yeah, but yeah, so that's how I met Axel. And then I asked him, we were shooting a video and uh, he liked the song. So I said, do you want to come and, uh, you know, have a couple of takes? And uh, he says, well, what are the lyrics? I said, don't worry about it. Just, you know, sing along. And uh, he came uh, at the end of the end of the uh, video. He does it. He shows up and then then he takes off. And it was cool. It was great for me. The, I didn't even realize how big they were, nor did I. I, I just, you know, my manager said, hey, get him in the video. I was like, yeah, you stay, stay out of this, please. You know, let me just get to know the guy. And uh, he was a really nice guy. So I thought it worked out great. And he was, it was very kind of him to let us use it. It, you know, got more attention to me. And also, if if I may be so bold, got him uh, maybe through me, he got Fred. more street credibility, oh, which I always You totally had, you gave know. street cred to that. Are you kidding me? You are the street cred. You know, you're, 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 you're more than street cred, you're stage cred. All right, I'll give I'll go that you 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 give, you give people stage cred. Um <laughs> but that was a great yeah, that collaboration continued where I went to play then you know, I went to jam with them a couple of times. First time I met Alice Cooper was at the Riff uh, I mean a Rip Rip magazine party in LA where I went to play the harp with the uh on uh, Heartbreak Hotel with the Guns N' Roses because they were playing there live. And that's when I met uh, Alice Cooper for the first time yeah. at, at that po- a party. It was it was amazing. I was I knew Alice was there, and I was looking for him. And then someone pulls my sleeve. Says, hey, Mike, Mike, over here. I was like, oh. Alice, wow! And it was like he was so sweet. I couldn't believe it. He said, "Thank you for speaking so highly of me in the press." I was like, "Hey, man, what the hell?" I mean, it's the like thing I like hero. about you is you're truly a fan. You're you're obviously a performer. You're you're a recording artist, but you're you also when it comes down to it, you're a big fan of a lot of these uh, a lot of bands and a lot of uh, these iconic artists you and alice uh we met yeah we met kind of like after you know the after years of going uh when you did your solo album we met years later with on, on the road with alice when you came up and jammed with us uh, a few yeah. times and and we did some shows with your solo band as well and i remember there was a time we did a, a we did you came up for sound check I mean, and we were just we were just doing uh, under my wheels, and and then you came up and say, and you said you told me yesterday during soundcheck that you had a clip of it, and and you said, and I go, no one's ever seen it. This would be great to put on and put on the podcast. So, do you mind yeah. if we if Rick Vic rolls the clip of you and I or you coming up on I stage with the Alice Cooper Band? No, that's right. I've, I've never yeah, seen it clip, yet. Right? You said it. Tell 
go. That's wow, that's amazing. Okay, we're gonna have to release the whole clip as some bonus material a little bit later. But but as yeah. you can, as you can see, you're was... you're all dressed up, ready to go on stage, and I'm in sweatpants and a sweat jacket. And <laughs> I had a... Well, hey, I heard you say. You were saying, you said something, Michael, you know this one. I was all the way back at the uh, watching your sound check, yeah. and you said, Michael, you know this one. I was like, okay, let's well, do it. <laughs> I would usually sing that song for sound check because Alice is, he's doing interviews and all that kind of stuff. You know what? Boy. Alice Cooper is icon- iconic. He, he don't. Like like Mariah Carey doesn't do stairs. Alice Cooper don't do sound checks. You know right? Uh-huh. So, I, so I can understand so it completely. I, I would sing it, or Tommy will sing a song to for sound check. Usually, and under my wheels was was mine to take. And uh, then I I see you, and I go, you know all the words. Get up here, and then you did, and then someone like, was able to film that. That's cool. That's I was cool. there in a split second. I think it was my uh, guitar roadie Bobby that filmed that. That's nice, man. Well, yeah, spe- we have. So the, yeah, go ahead. Speaking of the current band, because that's when we were on tour together and we did some stuff. I know that the the, the current band for a uh, one man band, because it's not a one man band. This is obviously a one man gang. You mean one, one, one man, man gang. gang? Sorry, one man gang. You Here we go. Definitely. The album. There's the album right there. How about that? Yeah. You have yeah, the newest album. You. This is how deep the how deep it runs in rock and roll and how relationships and playing with people uh, is more than just playing music it's 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 playing with family you've had sammy that's Yaffa. right you and sammy alpha have been playing together for how many years eons since the 70s now, eons since we started hanoi rocks i mean since 1979 1980 yeah. but uh we when sammy moved to, moved to new york he was uh he was in many projects with the De- demolition 23 album that came out in 93 94 and uh all the projects we usually did together were very successful sammy's my blood brother and me and sammy and nasty had that bond that was created when we were on the streets of stockholm and that's never changed you know we're blood brothers uh sammy and me started this band we in 2010 2011 uh this album came out which one sensory overdrive was the first one with this new this this current band 10 years ago this one the this was voted the album of the year by classic rock magazine and it was amazing because at the uh, the award ceremony, Duff McKagan changed his. Uh, he was going to fly to South America, but changed his flight to be able to present the award to me. That's very it was cool. so, and his his speech was so touching. It was amazing. <laughs> it was talking about the time when Razzle died, and Slash and him had tickets for a ticket for the Hanoi show that was going to happen that didn't happen because Razzle died and all that. So that album. Then we did the uh, uh, Horns and Halos. The, what the nice, other one? Miriam. Look at this. Uh, this one. This one came out in 2013. You're, you're a one-man and, promo crew, not a one-man and One-man one promo. <laughs> one, Black Eyed States was in 2015, and then this compilation. And this, I got to say, the, there's two CDs. first one is, uh, you know, stuff from my solo career, beginning, beginning of my solo career. And the second one has three songs per each of these new albums uh, before One Man Gang, obviously. And then at the end of it, we have the last song of this thing is Magic Carpet Ride, which Slash... Uh, featuring Slash, which was never previously released. See, Slash asked me to come with him to uh, uh, do this uh, uh, Steppenwolf uh, cover yep. of Magic Magic Carpet Ride for the Coneheads movie soundtrack, the comedy movie, you know, Coneheads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he asked me to sing on that, and I got Sammy Alpha to play bass, and Slash had uh, Kenny Aronoff on drums, and that was a killer band. And we did, we did, uh, we were going to cover that song, but then we did a. Um, uh, me and little Steven have been sitting around and uh, working on a you know a new arrangement for the song. So we we kind of kind of turned the chords around and uh, made it more 
you know, because the original is. I love to dream. So we had like. We had a different kind of approach. So Sounds like a different, different song, yeah. I, suge- I suggested that to Slash, and he said, well, that sounds cool. Let's do both versions and see which one the uh, record company chooses, uh, Warner Brothers, the film company. And they, they decided to go with the new arrangement version. So the old version was never used. I had it on an audio cassette all these years. That This happened in 1993. So I had all these years I had kept it to myself, and uh, never let anybody else have it, of course. And, uh, I, you know, maybe played a couple of close friends. But uh, so when this compilation album, you know, which is like my 30 year, 30 years career right. uh, was coming out, then I, I emailed Slash and said, is there going to be a lot of trouble, you know, negotiating lawyers, guns and money to get this rights to use that that version you know, that I had? And uh, he said, well, send it over. I said, yeah, it was in the email. I just sent it already. He's just like, yeah. <laughs> he, he replied, he's, he's such a sweetheart. He said, it's OK, you could use it. Nice. What? Nice. I man. love you. I love you. <laughs> like, yes. You know what, so Michael? So you're very such... you you you're you're chaotic in your like you're chaotic in your everything's chaotic, but it's controlled, and you know what you're doing, <laughs> and you're very organized, and you're punctual. I think the one thing that people don't realize in order to make it like as many years as you have, you have to be in control of things. You have to be, you have to have sort of a system of the way you do things. So it might seem chaotic, but it's definitely controlled and you definitely have a way of doing things and you're very likable. No doubt about it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's nice to hear. There's a method to my madness, in other words, Always, right? always. Well, I wanted to get to the band because we got to Sammy, Sammy off of the current lineup because I know that yeah. it's Rich Jones is on guitar. Steve Conte, is, yeah. you know, we know Steve as well, a good friend of the show. Carl Rockfist is on the show. So how, how does this lineup, it's, it's been a pretty solid lineup for, um, for a few years now, right? Ten years. Oh, Ten years. It's man. been like since 2010. Only difference difference was uh, we had Ginger Wildheart on guitar on the Sensory Overdrive album. Then he was replaced by Dre uh, uh, for the Horns and Halos album. And then for the Blackout Stage in 2015, uh, when Dragon couldn't, uh, he had too much on his plate, he had to move on. Rich Jones, who was already a friend and who had already been doing our artwork. You know, he's done all the... You know, the I didn't know that. Artwork, oh, very cool. Is that Rich Blackout Jones' States? artwork right there? Yeah. yeah. Okay. There you go. This is the album where Rich Jones came in, and he's still in the band. And this is the best lineup for by far uh, for the chemistry and everything. And I mean, with all uh, it was great with Dragon and with uh, Ginger as well. But this is the best, definitely the best lineup. And the new album was also the second album in a row with the exact same lineup. Yes, One Man Gang. Thank you. So this is the newest album which came out last uh, October and. Uh, with Rich Jones on the other guitar, the rest of the guys that have been the same since 2010. Yeah. So I'm going uh, to be blowing this band, up. I've, yeah. I've, I like to have great people around me. You got to live with these guys for for uh, you know on the tour bus. You got to you can't have anybody negative. You know, if you have this, it only takes one guy to ruin the whole vibe, and I won't allow that. I don't care how good a player you are. You got to be a cool guy. You want you want positive atmosphere and uh, goes back to PMA. It goes back to what you were saying about the PMA positive mental attitude. I I, I wrote yeah. that down when I saw it. And I'm like, those are going to be my three letters. I always say, enjoy the ride. It's kind of always it's a little bit similar. Enjoy the ride. You got to enjoy it because there's, you're going to always have you know bumps in the road. You're going to have hurdles that you got to jump over. But you know what? If you have a PMA, you're set. Yeah, yeah. Make the most of your makes makes the most of your misery. It may not last forever. 
<laughs> I say that to all the Finnish people. Go like, oh man, it's all suck. You know, the worst bonding, uh, the worst kind of bonding is when someone's slagging somebody off. And, Don't you think it sucks? Yeah, I think so too. I hate that. It's, I just can't it's compounding it. negative energy on top of stuff. I mean, yeah, it makes you feel like shit too. I mean, you if, when you're talking talking highly of somebody, it makes you feel it makes you feel better too. I love the the guy who did the Not Faking It album with me, Michael Frondelli, who's the engineer for, uh, actually, he was the engineer for Billy Idol's Rebel Yell as well. Wow. Uh, he was, like, pro- producing, uh, he was producing, and he did the Hell, Hell, Rock and Roll, that Chuck Berry, Keith Richards collaboration, he, that record also. So he was the engineer uh, pr- producing um, uh, Not Faking It with me, and he always says when somebody slagged somebody off in the studio, he says, well, he speaks very highly of you. <laughs> And I was like, because <laughs> like, it makes them feel like oh, an God. asshole, right? It makes, yeah. makes the other people oh, yeah. feel like, oh, maybe I shouldn't like, have done that. When oh, I just flagged him off, well, <laughs> he speaks very highly of you. In other words, uh, you know, don't flatter yourself. Do you think he even, even you know, or does any, he? Yeah, yes, yeah. yeah, it could be one way or the you. other. How do you? What do you think you think about you? And then say, oh, well, he speaks very highly of you. I think it was great when he always said that. I was like, everyone's, oh, yeah? <laughs> does he mean that or does he not? I love yeah, it. yeah, right. Did he actually say that? <laughs> well, well when, you say, when you say Billy Idol, that kind of opens the door for me to go into. And by the way, just so you know, just so you know, I'm going to be blowing up your email to play on a track with you because just doing one sound check of, of uh, Under My Wheels is not good enough for me that you have on your iPhone. I wanted, I want to play on a track with you. I feel it's it's been much too long so i'm saying it right here on the record in the trenches that uh i definitely going to be uh i'm going to be fanboying out and getting on a record uh, getting on a record with yes. you pretty soon you you have such do it. you've played with such amazing guitar boys like, like you said dragon is is sort of sweden's rock and roll institution and you yeah, are like slash in america exactly dragon like the sweden sweden slash absolutely uh, but then you got yeah the one i wanted to talk about because you opened the door with billy idol um, is that you? You had I knew a band. You, were gonna go. you knew I was going to go there, huh? I don't. If, uh, hopefully, you want to talk. Hopefully, this is not a no-go zone. But I did want to talk about the band that you had uh, with Jerusalem uh, with Steve Stevens called Jerusalem Slim. Uh, and what happened was that, and is that you know, is that something that was a cool time or was it a transitional time? How did <laughs> that all go? It's just a just a project that. Uh, Kind of ruined my career in America. Well, know, thanks a lot, Dave R, for bringing that up. All right, I'm not. I'm, I'm yeah. totally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, I mean, you know, it's just a, it's not a positive experience. In the end of the day, I mean, uh, really, I don't I, waste too much time on this. But uh, you know, it's uh, but there's there's, a, there was a conflict as it turned out. I mean, the guy wanted to work with me. Yeah, and he kind of looked the part, and uh, he heard the Not Faking It album. And the thing is, one of the things was like. The solo in the song called All Night with the Lights On. Gotcha. And that solo and that, that effect, that, that kind of effect in the middle of the solo that Michael Frondelli did for uh, Phil Grandy. Phil Grandy played the guitar in that fake album. God rest his soul. He just yeah, passed away a couple yeah, of years ago. Yeah, Amazing player. He had like nothing between him and the guitar. I've rarely, rarely witnessed such direct contact with his emotion and going into the guitar and he he's the guy who first said rock like fuck <laughs> one morning he came to the studio and said all right let's rock like fuck and I said, that's my slogan that was your slogan <laughs> I, i'm telling you well um, i like your pma better but but rock like fuck is pretty oh, darn I'm, is I'm, a I'm close sorry, second can i say the f word here um you I can say whatever to... you want man you, you're fine okay okay well you know yeah fuck, this fuck, is fuck, not fuck, pg-13 fuck. <laughs> ah! yeah, there you go <laughs> <laughs> great all right so the guy wanted to work with me and we started working on some songs and I showed him what kind of guitar playing I liked and he's a really good player so he could play their 
Chuck Berry stuff too. And uh, but then and I wanted Little Steven to produce the album, but the record company wouldn't go for that, and they wanted to have. Uh, German Michael Wagner, who was a heavy metal producer, who was like a bad combination with Steve, because Steve didn't need much encouragement to go that way with the two hands on the neck and the doodly do, you know, with okay, gotcha. million notes a second and no soul. And uh, as it turned out, it was a money thing. And a lot of the, I mean, uh, the publishing thing was funny too, because he said all of a sudden that he needs to have 50% of all the publishing of every song. And I was like, how do you know who's going to write how much of the song? And my oh. my company Polygram already took fifty percent of publishing. Well, here's like, here's the deal, so, Mike. So I, I feel I feel like that project looks great on paper. I'm sorry yeah. that it didn't work out. I know that there's a it lot died of, of fan- loneliness. No, <laughs> but I, but see, it's one of those albums that people are talking about still today. So it's one of those, I guess, uncut gems or one of those diamonds in the rough that when people find yeah. it, they're really they're they're really happy they did. I'm um, trust me, I've played it was, a couple of those. It records. could have been a good record. We did make some good demos, but. Them the studio, and we ended up going to LA, which was like I didn't want to record in LA. Uh, we did the vocals like in Wisconsin in some weird studio, in uh, uh, you know, uh, and it was like not really happening. And then the, everything was getting all uh, into we went to LA to do a couple of weeks of guitars, and it turned into three months of guitar hell. <laughs> and uh, the whole, whole project was like I was on uh. Polygram Records, it was my deal, Michael Mon- as Michael Monroe, and after the Not Faking It album, you know, as I was making that record, I needed some uh, more money in the budget, so there's, okay, sign a publishing deal. Okay, uh, so Ooh. I needed a bit more, a couple of grand more. Okay, sign a merchandise deal. So they got me by the balls. So maybe those, those, are, the, those are two I, things not to do when you're strapped for no. cash. Go to the okay, bank so of record company. What happened? Well, you wanted to go here, so I'll, I'll tell this. I'll All try right. to keep it short. I don't want to waste time. No, I just want uh, you to tell, so I just want to tell people, out, Michael, I just want to tell end- people that, you, that the internet started getting all fuzzy and, and weird and negative the minute we started talking about negative stuff. So I'm just Gonna, yeah, I told you, I told you, let's not go there. But I, okay, the conflict, as it turned out, there were the album ended up costing over $700,000. And uh, I was in LA Damn. going crazy. My A&R guy was in, in New York. Nobody was helping me. The guy in uh, the A&R guy in uh, LA came to the studio. Steven uh, Wagner played him some stuff. Said, hey, sounds good. What's your problem, Michael? I said, what, if you want to spend another $300,000 and then realize it's a piece of shit? It's not my record anymore. And it was my deal with Polygram. So I, I already owed them for not faking it like a couple of, thou, a couple of hundred thousand. Right, right. And then this was like almost, so after this album, and I thought, you know, I was freaking out. I thought this record is going right to hell. And uh, uh, Sammy at least came up with a name. I even suggested, suggested the, to the label to call it Faking It. But they wouldn't go for that. I'm not faking <laughs> they it. They released the album. It. The worst thing that ever happened, that album came out. And uh, uh, I ended up on the comp- record company a million. I was, I was, you know, a million in a hole. I would have had to sell. I mean, I would never see a penny. So Damn. after that whole project, what I thought maybe Steve Wagner knew something. I know. But then when it came to mixing, Steve came up to me and says, hey, Michael, uh, Wagner's mixing it all wrong. I said, wait a minute. Ah, but no, 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 no. You guys, I thought you guys had some kind of, you know, connection or something. Now you're saying he's doing it wrong. This was recorded all wrong. This is totally not what the demos were. Uh, that you totally right. turned around and so it sounds it. like you a think cost- your, your solos are not going to save any song. And uh, oh. the problem, the conflict in the whole thing was based on was I play from the heart. Steve Stevens plays from the wallet. Oh wow, that's true. All right, well here's that's, the- that's 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 the fact. You know, it was all more business than music. And after that. 
Now, oh, after that, more? I had no choice than get <laughs> off the label. Dave. My whole deal with Polygram, I had like 10 year, fucking seven, eight, nine albums, whatever. I had to get off the label and it took me over a year to get off the label. <laughs> and one day my lawyer called me, said, Michael, you're dropped. I said, oh, that's too bad. Right. And I called a little Steven. I said, Steven, I'm free. <laughs> so little Steven said, isn't it great, Michael? One day you owe them a million, next day you don't. So then after that, we went into the studio with little Steven producing me and Sammy Alpha, and we started the band Demolition 23, which was supposed to be my solo album, but it turned out we came up with a name. And, uh, you know, luckily the Jerusalem Slim album, had, Sammy came up with that name. Sammy Alpha came up with Jerusalem Slim, right. which is slang for Jesus, right? Of course. He, uh, he came up with the name, luckily, because uh, if it was under Michael Monroe, I would be dead, you know, my <laughs> career, unless it was called Faking It. Well, obviously, and I even did an anti-promotional tour in Japan saying, don't buy this record. I, I, in 1992, me, Nasty Suicide, and Sammy Alpha, and Tommy Price on drums, and Phil Grandy on guitar, did a great tour in Japan where Holy we played shit. all the songs except nothing from the Jerusalem Slim, Jerusalem Slim album, except for Teenage Nervous Breakdown, the cover, which I covered, you know, the which Nazareth and the Little Feet song that Nazareth so, covered. So after that was this the only podcast, song we played live. Rest of them, I said, don't buy the album. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listen, Michael, after this podcast, Jerusalem Slim is going to have this newfound success. And then you're, you're, you're going to be going, why did I talk about it so, for so well, long? It, I it was like it. Everybody heavy loves metal the histrionics, album now. All this Damn it. <laughs> oh, man, you know, you, well, wanna, you know, you want to go there. Well, that's it was a story. cautionary tale. And, and, you know, Steve was a really nice guy. I got along with him great. He looked the part. It was cool. And uh, we had some fun times together. But uh, the record was the worst thing that ever happened to me. Well, That's there you why go. I don't, you know, I hate <laughs> it that it that came book. out that was even released. <laughs> Damn. All right. I want to move on then to a guitar driven <laughs> story that maybe won't yeah, end yeah. with <laughs> with debauchery, misery. You gotta love it. I mean, you and know, the opposite of point, PMA, folks. Yeah. I did not. <laughs> Some people like the record, you know. <laughs> I did not expect that answer when I asked that question because I was like, oh, I like that album. I like both guys. They're amazing guys. And then I just didn't expect it. I, it's not like I was doing it. In, you know, on purpose, just to like stir the pot. Trust me, I I, I can do that on yeah. many other shows. I can do that on my buddy's coffee talk show. But uh, check hey, this out. <laughs> check out one more thing. <laughs> what happened was, Steve, <laughs> when the thing was, when I was held, left carrying the bag of shit, uh, then when I said to Steve, "You want to save this record?" Then we got to start all over. He says, "Okay." Uh huh. Okay, so we go back back to New York and start all over. And we even remixed the song with this guy, Bob Rosa, which was kind of getting better. So then all of a sudden, Steve disappeared. And then he ended up, he, he was nowhere to be found for a while. Then I was watching TV and MTV, some award ceremony. He had ended up, he was, um, uh, Motley Cruz, Vince Neil was doing a comeback. And he was playing guitar with him. And they made an album together. And on that album, there was a song, <clears throat> there was a song called... Uh, uh, it was a song we had, it was called Downwardly Mobile, and the chorus went, can't have your cake and eat it too. So there was a song called Can't Have Your Cake, which was credited to Steve Stevens and Vince Neil, which I had written with Steve originally. So he stole that song from oh me, even. Oh, my God, okay. So, I'm, I'm so then, definitely... then I said to Polygram, you got my publishing, I'm paying you 50%, <laughs> do something. <laughs> so they did nothing. Okay. So, uh, you know. I'm uh, having so a, a completely separate part two is going to be dedicated to Jerusalem Slim and signing bad <laughs> publishing deals and all that well, yeah. all that bad stuff. Yeah, but I mean, that was, that was a typical of record company, you know. No doubt. They got you by the boss. That you, they take all your money, then they do nothing for you. They're supposed to get your songs and movies. So you're given the publishing. I mean, the publishing in advance is really your own money that they give you as a loan. Then you have to earn it back. So it's not really like extra money. 
But so that's what happened. Uh, you know. you've, you've created but your anyways, own that's thing. Yeah. Enough of that. You've created your own brand now. You've created your own institution, right? You know, and you've actually created your own genre. And and a lot of people that that are inspired by that genre. Um, one of the people that obviously you said earlier that you looked up to noticed you and uh, asked you to perform uh, with their band at Les Paul's 75th birthday at the Hard Rock Cafe in New York. So that was oh. a, that was a story that I want people to know about because it's a nice guitar player story. I think Michael's going to end up liking this guitar player because the guitar player was none other than Les Paul, his 75th birthday. And who was the band that asked, asked you to uh, Aerosmith. come Aerosmith. There you go. Aerosmith, yeah. I, I jammed with Aerosmith on Les Paul's 75th birthday at the Hard Rock Cafe in New York City. Uh, as it turned out, Night Bob, uh, who was my sound, sound guy. guy. Oh, he's your sound guy 90s. too? Yeah, I love Night Bob. He does, he ran. Night Bob, he's yeah. holy. <laughs> Absolutely. He's, 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 Night Bob he's in that guy. book. He's, he's all over the book, that Walk This Way book. But he, he used to run uh, the sound at uh, Don Hills when I used to play yeah. there when I come in. And Night Bob is just a, a legend. And yeah, he's yeah, just one he's of right the New York guys. Yeah, yeah, he's flat there. And uh, he's, a, he's, just, he's a brilliant guy. I hate the dolls. He was doing the dolls, the New York, new New York dolls. And, so Night Bob ran into Steven Tyler at some MTV Unplugged thing, and Steven asked what, what Bob had been doing, and Bob said, you know, just Michael Monroe in Japan. I said, oh, I love that guy. Give, him his, give me his phone number. So, uh, so Bob um, gave him my phone number, and then one day I came home, and there was a message on my answering machine saying, Michael Monroe, Steven Tyler, just <laughs> want to pass on some stuff. I was like, what? Steven Tyler called me? Then Bob called me and says, hey, Michael, I, uh, I uh, you know, ran into Steven. I hope you don't mind. I gave him your number. I said, no, I don't mind. <laughs> I can see the sunlight coming out the window here. No, it, I know. Hey. It sounds like Jerusalem Slim or, you know, is coming here. He's coming, he's speaking to you right now. <laughs> okay, it's better. Yeah, so... Uh, there it yeah, is. Wow, yeah, that was the event. They gave him a cake that was made. This is Sunburst Les Paul cake, right? Right, right. That was amazing, yeah. So I, I had... Uh, uh, Stephen called me again. I, I, was, I said to Bob, I wonder what he wanted. And uh, Stephen called me back and he says, Hey, man... He loved my album, not faking it. He said he loves my singing because I sing in pitch. And uh, he said, uh, "You want to?" Then he said, "You want to come and play the saxophone on?" Uh, they're doing his thing for Les Paul, like a half hour set. And uh, do I want to come and play a sax solo on Big Ten Inch Record, that old R and B song? Big Ten Inch R and B meaning R and B R and B was back. Yeah, big. She just loved my Big Ten Inch Record of my favorite blues. So I was like, of course, you know. So I went there, and uh, <clears throat> it was. Uh, amazing it was a long line outside i said how am i going to get in here and then before i could think another thought there was a guy in a suit that came and says mr monroe right this way please <laughs> took me to my table and uh, i was like wow that was such a great organization around and, and steven and you know i was there was a lot of people there mtv was i had this on video but i i wouldn't i would not uh, send well, but- it I, I gave it to actually last uh, uh two two years ago when we opened up for the hollywood vampires i ran into joe perry Right. Uh, backstage, and I, I had made, uh, I, I have a machine that makes VHS into you can transfer into DVD. So I made him a DVD of the of that video of that song. I had that song only from that and, from uh, that party. That was almost from... to the day. Wow. Sorry. From it was that the day. Same. It was yeah. like June twelfth, and this happened. Uh, I think it was the June tenth that we're doing that gig. That was like almost to the day. Uh, how many years? Nineteen ninety one to two thousand fifteen. 
Yeah. It was like almost the same date that that had happened. So I gave him the DVD. I don't know if he has a DVD player in him, but I remember the event. I went to my lawyer, Michael Guido. Do you know Michael Guido? I remember you know? Michael Guido. Of course I do. Yeah, yeah he was yeah, always yeah. hanging with Richard Sambora. They, they were nice, hanging out man. there, you know, having drinks. And Michael, I, you know, I used to drink a little. I never really liked drinking, but uh, Michael said, come on, Mike, have a drink. I said, no, 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 i got to go and play my sax solos. He said, come on. Okay, well, order me a tequila sunrise. And my late wife, Judy, was at the, at the table, and so was Stephen's wife uh, and and uh, and Joe Perry's wife. They were sitting at the table, and uh, I was like, no, Michael, I really want to drink. But okay, order me a tequila sunrise. Apparently, uh, well, then the song came up. I had to go and play, and mm-hmm. <laughs> apparently they had brought a tequila sunrise, this huge tequila sunrise, <laughs> and uh, fucking six tequila shots and tequila you know, beer chasers. And so Stephen's and uh, Joe Perry's wife, all these drinks from Michael? And <laughs> Judy, my late wife, said, "No, no, no, no." And I was, I was pissed later because I realized that they didn't, you know, the Aerosmith guy later on, they didn't want to sit at my table because there was all these drinks there and they didn't oh, drink they, anymore. They, yeah, they, they were definitely. And I didn't not like drinking myself, but I went on stage and Steven Tyler said, "Where'd you get those lips?" <laughs> That's a good story, and, right? Yeah, it was great. And then, then it's, can you really Pot, play the thing? The kettle I, black. I played a couple of riffs and then <laughs> did my solo the best I could and. uh even what? Joe Perry smiled. He was like, "Yeah, that was good. That just, was good." Just to wrap that one up, though, Michael, like going back yeah. to that, going back to that Les Paul shaped uh, cake that they had for Les Paul. Um, that night, did you have your cake and eat it too? All right, that's it. That's, that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> well, I think uh, "Downward Mobile" was a much cooler, cooler uh, uh, title for that song. If you want to go back to that, there you go. I do not. I, I do I, not because I, I want to go back to the melody than what they did later on. <laughs> I'm going Personally, back to the new. I'm moving on. I'm moving on to uh, One Man Gang, the, which one, is the new yeah, album. That was one of the great nights. One of the greatest nights of my life. I gotta say. See, then I'm glad I brought it up. All right. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that was a great experience. I'm still proud of it. I'm glad, and I wish I was in touch with those guys more. They're right. a great band, and Steven Tyler actually did inspire me. I remember on the phone I was talking to the Pump album was out, and Jamie's got a gun. Amazing song. Shit. And uh, I remember talking to him on the phone, and I said. You know, I like that new song. Jamie is a gun. Jamie's got a gun. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> I knew it was Jamie's got a gun, but I was trying to be cool, like I didn't know. The Just song like I knew it was it. one man gang and not <laughs> one man band. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Who cares? You know, whatever. But anyway, Stephen was great. Also, this is funny. Night Bob doesn't have a sense of smell, right? You know that. Well, I, I, I think I know why. So first, <laughs> yeah. So I don't know why, but uh, well, I can't say that. I mean, <laughs> Come on. Yeah, of man. course you think the obvious, but I don't know. Was it born like that? Or was it from whatever? <laughs> well, I know he, uh, why I don't have to Steven, Listen, Stephen Stephen came up to Bob. He says, he stuck his hand down his pants and between his legs and he put his no, finger in front of Bob's nose. He says, do you smell anything, Bob? <laughs> maybe he's, but, maybe no, he's just fresh. Maybe he's just very cleanly. Maybe he was born that way. However, <laughs> Stephen is a funny, very funny, lovely guy. I love that guy. How talented, how much he sings his pitch this day, even today. When you see them live, amazing singer, incredible. No doubt. No doubt. I can't believe. I'm trying to make this sunshine go away. You know what? <laughs> just for those of yeah, you so, that, uh, are, for those of you that are just listening in, if you're listening on uh, on Spotify or listening on Apple Podcasts, you can't see the chaos that's going on that we're managing. That Michael is managing. He's battling with the sunlight with with, with <laughs> Jerusalem <laughs> Slim. They're like the rays of Jesus are coming the glory in. Of the coming of the Lord. <laughs> but on. at the same time, just so you know, because we are streaming this right now, it is basically yeah. seven o'clock. 
o'clock uh, p.m. in uh, Stockholm, Finland. which would make eight. No, it's past. It's it, you're, you're an hour past me. Oh so, yeah, it's, so it's you're eight, eight past eight in, yeah. in Finland. And we've been rolling for we've been rolling for so long with. Uh, We've been rolling for a while now, and obviously, I, I don't want to end, but we have to at one point uh, at least wrap it up, at least wrap up part one, but I, I do want to sort of slow things down just a little bit. Uh, I told you, it's going to be a part two. It's there's going to have to be, man. <laughs> I, 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 like I'm saying, I'm saying all these cool stories are too cool f- for one podcast. We got to make them twice, but you know what? I'd want to concentrate on the new album, One Man Gang. I want the people yeah. to see the the uh, the clip that Vic we put up you sent over you're gracious enough to send over last night uh, this one's called Last Train to Tokyo because I want to talk about the whole relationship that you have with Japan and how basically it's your secondary kingdom you have you know the world but then Japan is a very special place for you so let's listen to the yeah. clip Last Train to Tokyo and then talk about that oh man it reminds me of I want I want to do I want to go back to playing live shows. When I see stuff like that, Michael, don't you want to play a live show? Damn it! Yeah, I do. <laughs> I was like, that's my favorite kind of exercise. It's like you know, you got to go for that's you know, that's when I you know, stay in shape and all. And uh, the the feeling after a great show, it's like the best best feeling in the world. That's what you know, the kick after you've done a great show, you're on a high, right? Absolutely, man. That's like the best feeling in the world. <laughs> but you, you're amazing. like that when you're doing an interview. So you know what I can, I, and if you turn around, uh, I, I, I would normally think I was interviewing someone in a dressing room right now, but you have a, a little makeup stand right there, a makeup station right <laughs> yes. there. I love yeah. it. That is, that's yeah, perfect. I, <laughs> I didn't see that. All right. That's what, yeah. And, and did you see, Oh, you haven't seen my, uh, oh, don't, my we don't uh, want that bird. internet to go away. Check out my firebird, man. Uh-oh. I got my name and pearl inlays here. Michael Monroe. Oh, Look that's at a that. killer that. firebird. Ain't that a little man? honey? You know what? If you if you're watching this or listening to it on the podcast, you got to watch it on YouTube or Facebook. Wow, this is killer. That is a great yeah, one. A- Who made that for you, man? Was that custom built well, or custom shop? No, it was. <laughs> I just I bought this from Andy McCoy, used with a full price. The, the motherfucker made me pay for it, <laughs> and and I had you know sunburst, and I had it painted in London. <laughs> I had it painted a uh, uh, glossy black and I had the pearl inlays on it. So after that, Andy wanted it back. He said, can I borrow that for, and it, you know, he kept saying that, you know, you should play guitar on one song, but then that guitar was so cool looking that he was like, never I can't that up. bring the guitar to the sound check. And he's like, well, let's do it tomorrow. Oh, and the next day, no, no, let's do it tomorrow. And I was like, now I realized he didn't want me to play the guitar. It looked so good. <laughs> so one day, can I borrow that guitar from you? I said, you motherfucker. <laughs> You're not going to get it back. You're not going to get it back. But, uh, yeah, it's cool. I, I like that one. That's a, that's, it's a great one to play too and have a less ball too and stuff. Yeah. Or home studio, but yeah, yeah. you want to go back see, to the new well, album? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I was just going to suggest maybe you know you know Steve Con- Steve and uh, Rich are going to kill me, but maybe you, uh, Andy McCoy, and Steve Stevens all put a band together. Is that possible? No. Oh, my favorite. Yeah, <laughs> who can? Who's the asshole? Who's the asshole we can find for a drummer or a bass player? <laughs> Hold <laughs> no. on, no, 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 no. It's all but, in good fun. I love all of those guys. I absolutely. love you, Steve. I love you, Andy. You know that. So there you go. Anyway, well, uh, it all ends up all in my PMA, love. PMA, uh, baby. So let's talk about your relationship that you have with the people of Japan because they love you. They have for years. What's it like when you go down there? Is it, is it basically a holiday? 
Is it? Do they have a national holiday down there? How's it go? Yeah, no, no, no. It's it's well. Yeah, first of all, you're all jet lagged when you get there, and it lasts <laughs> usually over a week or two, about a week. You know, just when you're recovering from the jet lag, you start got to fly back, <laughs> got to leave again. But that song, Last Train to Tokyo, it's it's really about you know how how hectic the whole thing is and how you're. It feels like a space trip because you're all jet lagged and you you're there only for a short amount of time. You're feeling exhausted and overwhelmed by everything, but it's still. It's a great. You're loving the experience because because the people there are so positive, and so uh, genuine, genuine and uh, uh, and uh, sincere and uh, passionate about rock and roll. And there's they're such a great positive vibe that you can't help but love it all. It's, a, it's my favorite country, uh, of, you know, because they're and the way they brought up. They're so considerate and they're nice, Absolutely. kind, never aggressive. Even when they drink, they're like they just giggle and they pass out. They never get aggressive, like in Finland or or in England. Someone's like, Arr. at one point, someone's gonna go, oh, "Yeah, fucking cunt." <laughs> Someone gets aggressive, you know. The Japanese are amazing. I I just love that yeah. that mentality. It's well, just yeah, one I mean, of my favorite countries. The thing is, I've I've been lucky enough to go there a couple times. Twice, I think two or three times. Not enough. I would love to go there more. But every when I do go there. They have my record collection, every record I've ever played on, uh, in pristine condition, in all the right packaging. They they have the right pen to sign for the right, uh, you know, that vinyl or CD. It's a, it's an amazing sort yeah. of process. But and, but they they also give you gifts. So I'm just wondering how many gifts do you get when you go to Japan on one of those trips? Well, I had, first of all, their, their attention to detail and all the, the CDs they make there, like yes. this this CD, like, the, oh, there's this uh, wonderful cartoonist, Atsuko Shima, who draws me like oh, this. killer. I love her drawings. And we made a T-shirt with the whole band, which she's drawn. Uh, this, they, make, uh, they, they sell CDs, physical product. That's why I also love them. Uh, but um, so... <laughs> God, I lost my train of thought. No, Your just regular, was, the, the, just the the amount of gifts because they do pay. Oh, really the gifts, yeah. yeah. So what happened in uh, after Hanoi Rocks broke up? You know, we were in we Hanoi Rocks played there in '83 and '84. Then we broke up, and after that, and with not faking it, I was like way even bigger than uh, Michael Monroe. As Michael Monroe, I was bigger than Hanoi Rocks ever was, and I was getting bigger and bigger. In '89, I played the New Year's Eve gig was great. We had Japanese band Loudness, Michael Monroe, Don Henley. Brian Adams and Huey Lewis. What a great the, bill. The, Mr. Udo had this at Tokyo Dome, two nights, New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, yep. 89, 1990. And then we did uh, Nagoya and Kyoto and Osaka as well. Uh, and then I had, I came back from my own tour. I had so many gifts. I had to, they said Bon Jovi didn't even get, get that many gifts. <laughs> there was something special about, I had like, I had to buy four big metal trunks to put this stuff in. And I stayed up, I, I slept maybe two hours at night because I was going through all this amazing stuff they gave me. The wedding kimonos, uh, incredible, like fans and beautiful art that I couldn't get rid of, you know? So I had to like, it was driving me crazy. It was so, so much to buy stuff. Extra, I had extra like a hundred Michael Monroe dolls. You know? <laughs> it's <laughs> it like, amazing. It was amazing. So yeah. I had more gifts than anybody. And so I was like, I had to send them cargo in the in the trunks to get to New York later on because I saw too much of it. So four trunks, so, four trunks, or you know, four extra luggages to get uh, pieces of luggage to get back. That's basically like one week on the road with Alice Cooper and him shopping at H and M. How about that? Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> he likes to shop. He likes to shop, and it's right? usually H and M or Zara. So. <laughs> 
So let's let's go to a quick question here. Michael Monroe, that man never ages, huge influence oh. for many. If I appreciate you, singing and being a fronting I, man, this is the guy. Well, there you go, Robert. Not so much a question, but a personal thank statement. Thank you, Robert. There it is. Love you. Thank you. How kind. Thank you for the oh, kind words. You guys, I love man. That. You've been. That's amazing. Alex, Alex is shopping that much. Oh, dude, he's a, he's a shopaholic. He, he, I mean, you know, you know, he used to drink a little bit. He, he's well documented. He used to do a little of this, a little of that, but now he does. He puts it all into the H and M uh, and uh, Zara and whatever chain clothing stores are around the world. I say the best time to ever meet Alice Cooper is not sort of um, at the show because you know he'll give you a stare that'll. Like just turn you into oh, yeah, stone. Oh, Alice. Yeah, He's yeah. Alice. You don't want to mess with but, Alice. But if you but if you want to see Alice, Alice, yeah. Alice, just meet him at a, at an H and M or Zara, whatever town you're in. You know. God bless <laughs> him, and, and that's why he's still here for sure. I mean, that's a healthier addiction for sure. <laughs> well, is that yeah, quite, thank God kind of, for that? Is that sort of your basic like on the road routine? Because people, there's been a lot of comments I've been checking out where they're saying, "How does this man look so you know look so good after so many years of being in this business in the trenches, always rocking and always rolling it how what is your sort of routine to keeping fit are you going to have a some sort of fitness regime tape out now or what how do you do no, it i have no no secrets i just uh i like what i do i think uh you know loving life and uh being uh i never i don't drink i never like drinking i never, you know it made me feel bad and uh you know of course i changed my demons back in the day i went through I wanted to more like expand my horizons. I was talking to God and I had an out of body experience and all that. And I broke on through to the other side, so to speak, to see what I wanted to see and, uh, you know, to uh, satisfy my curiosity. And I went through all that. And, um, you know, I just didn't want to get hooked. You know, when you once you get hooked, then you're kind of going around in circles. So I think we're here to, our souls are here to learn and, uh, you know, without getting too, deeper philosophical i don't you know i never like drinking and i think that's one thing you know drinking makes you look old and uh once you if you start worrying about getting old then you start looking at it i think by the time you're 50 or 60 you you'll have the face you deserve you, <laughs> your personality personality starts showing so uh i live healthily you know i don't i don't go to the gym you know i exercise at home i i stay in shape like i i have to stay in shape in order to uh do what I do, like I said. Uh, Perform. So there's no real secret. Uh, I'm just, you know, and I'm happy with my wife. I have, you know, my late wife. We were together for 15 years, and so she passed away in 2001. And I think I didn't think I was going to find another. Uh, I wasn't going to be lucky enough to find another uh, uh, life companion. But then I found my current wife. We've been married for 17 years now, and Damn, I know nice. I'm an exception to the rock and roll singer rule. You know, I don't. I don't. Like I said, I don't. I never been with a group in my life. I, it's not my. I, I couldn't do that because I don't think that way. Exception I, I, or, I never or sort of for the gold standard, man. You can't look for You never find it if you look for it. <laughs> it happens or it doesn't. So uh, I got two cats and my wife. I'm happy at home. I don't mind. <laughs> Quarantine doesn't, you know, uh, it doesn't you, kill me because I, I still like spending time at home. But I'm happy. I love doing what I do and I got the best band I could hope for. So I guess it shows. Well, it's because you know. give credit where credits due. You give the love to the band, and you know what, dude? You're not the you're not the exception to the rule. I think you are the rule. That's the way all all musicians should have that sort of attitude. And yeah. I I would like to say yeah, I don't I don't drink, but I enjoy a carrot 
occasional wine. And that's what I'm having a little wine time right now because I do that yeah. when it's time to wind down and wind down the podcast. <laughs> nice pun. Yeah. Hey, wait like a minute. That? He's got schools out ready for a 30 second clip. Vic says he's got schools out. Does he? All right. Well, if he's got yeah. schools out, we'll do one yeah. more clip. That was- oh. <laughs> Fucking Vic. What the fuck, man? Look at you. We got everything come out on the road. Yeah. School's <laughs> out. We're on the delay. One of the greatest nights of my life. You should see in that video, there's a clip where Alice commands me to come next to him. It goes like this. <laughs> With his knife. It's like, oh, okay, that's an order. Yeah. I saw <laughs> Steve. I, I saw so Steve Conte. That night was one Steve, of the greatest nights of my life. Steve Conte's on there with his, his amazing blazer. Yeah, yeah. You know? Steve, <laughs> Steve was there. Uh-huh. And, uh, it's because I asked Alice uh, the lyrics. Uh, the first, I was saying, uh, when you say, we can't even think of a word that rhymes. Was that when you, did you run out of ideas or what? When you're running that lyric, uh, that can't even think of a word that rhymes. It's, no, it's also because the first word, verse rhymes. We got no choice. All the boy, girls and boys. Uh, making all that uh, noise making all that noise because i found new toys class. that'll rhymes right. second verse we got no class we got no principles we got no Doesn't innocence rhyme. we can't yeah. even think of a word that rhymes because that those none, none of them rhyme, rhyme. Uh, i love stuff like that no, see, I, see? You didn't know that no i never knew that never knew that until yeah. now there's a couple things ah. i didn't know I, i'm learning okay. stuff i'm learning stuff. That stuff that's why i love you doing know, this freaking po- podcast I, and I got to say about Johnny Thunders. We talked about Johnny and oh, Sonda Weber and all that. that yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to tell the story about the Maxis Kansas City bathroom if you don't want to. Please do. But, but okay, so for, for those of you that know <laughs> that, that don't know, uh, Johnny Thunders, lead guitar player in the New York Dolls, but also had his own his own solo career with so many great songs. It was all about the songs yeah. with Johnny and yeah. and all Johnny about was a the dear friend. Yeah. yeah. So I was talking to Johnny actually when I was that around the time when I jam with Aerosmith. I was so excited. I was jazzed, you know, uh, that I was world. playing uh, the sax and I was, I've been talking to Steven Tyler. So I, uh, Johnny called me. He was living in Third Street back then and says like, so what are you, what are you doing, man? He says, yeah, I, have you heard the latest Aerosmith? Have you heard the last Aerosmith album? He says, nah, I didn't hear the first one. <laughs> I said, okay. And this, yeah, this, so I got a new album called Not Faking It. So he says, so what were you doing before? <laughs> He's That's like great. so New York. So Johnny, yeah. Johnny used to go with Sandra. They said Sandra told me they were fixing in the, they were shooting up in the Max's Kansas City bathroom, and there was a poster of New York Dolls on the wall. So, and when Johnny finished fixing, he would squirt the blood on John, Dave Johansson's face. Oh, <laughs> well, you know, anyway, you, you know, want to you want to know my no, no, seriously, you want to know my Johnny Thunder's sort of uh, heroin yeah, story? Tell me, tell me. No, my my mom, who just God rest her soul, she just passed away just recently, but she oh, she came to New York cold. City. She came to New York City when uh, I lived there, and she went out with me and my buddy Stefan. We took her out all night on the town. I, I, I actually took her to um, what's the place? The Chelsea Hotel. 
I wanted her because because a buddy of ours had you know a room there for that night. And then by the end of the night, I said, "Mom, do you want to go to bed? We can take you back to you know to the apartment. You can sleep on the couch or whatever. It's no problem because you know it's New York. You can sleep on a couch." And she said, "She's a trooper." She said, "No, I want to go out with you the whole night. I want to experience the whole night with you." We took her to the to the loft. So you you had said that you had not been to the loft, but my mother was at the loft. And th- and folks, wow. the loft just to give you an idea about this place called the loft in New York City, it opened up at 4 a.m. It was an after hours. So here's my mom, 50 something year old mom. It's probably my age right now, right? But she's a trooper. She goes into the loft, but everybody there was so nice to like sort of surround her and 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 sort of almost guard her from Johnny Thunders oh. because Johnny Thunders was it was literally in the next room shooting up and and like when he came out, <laughs> we were going to we we ended up playing uh, step and stone that night, right? Oh and, really? <laughs> yeah. So so my mom got to see me in Johnny Thunder's jam. So that's a kind of a fun story about that. But and yeah. and, and Johnny Thunder's never played the chord. Well, put it this way: he played the chords he played. He didn't. He yeah. played it. He played E G A B, where it's actually E G A C. So, but when I tried to correct him on it, he goes, "Play it my way." <laughs> I said, "Yeah, yeah." yeah, yeah. I, got, I said, "Yeah." And it's and it, it was especially. It's not what you play; it's what you don't play. It's all the space, and you know, which you, all this. Uh, well, Steve Stevens actually told me that he went to he wanted to jam with Johnny at the limelight, and then Johnny finally told him, "Okay, come on up." And he went up to play with him, and Johnny went in front of him, combing his hair like that. <laughs> and then, oh, then he said, "Are salty. you from Poison?" <laughs> and Steve left yep. the stage apparently. Yeah, Thunder's would he would have loved anyway, me or hated me. I'm not sure. I mean, I know you love the guys playing, and he's a great player. That's the subject keeps going back to that, but. I got to say, if you want to talk a bit more about my new album, there's a song called The Pitfalls of Being an Outsider, which That's has the, the lyrics are a bit of a piss take about the hip hop scene because it said, you know, we don't got no we don't get no champagne on the rider. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are the pitfalls of being an outsider. But it was, uh, you know, the theme of the song is that we do this, whether we get all the, the money and cars and the champagne, we do this whether we get those things or not. And we do this on for the right reasons because you're not on stage because you want the approval. I ain't coming out because I need the love. Don't want to join your social club. It ain't a long way to the bottom. It's always, a, that's a nod to Bon Scott as well. It's a long yeah. way to the top. Exactly. Kind of, I know, saw that reference. Him. I got that nod. But, uh, yeah. it's, you can lose it all at any time, and that's why you better do it for the right reasons. I ain't coming out uh, to support the scene. I don't give a fuck if you don't like me. It ain't a long way to the bottom. That So that's, you better, that's what the song is saying, is that better do this for the right reasons. Because no. uh, it all may fall apart at any time. So it's a bit can, of advice to the younger look, bands and artists, too. Can know? we look Stay forward to this being? Stay can, true to yourself. Stay true to yourself. No one can take away from you what you have. You know? Can but we look forward for the money to this and the fame? Video. That's yeah. the wrong reason. <laughs> I want to know the, the, when's it, when's it going to be in a video? I want to know when the, that video is coming out. Well, Same? that song is actually one of the most popular songs of the album. Okay, now, good. Apparently. Is, is, okay, so, so uh, is, is it already out there right now? Does Vic have a clip of that one? It's on this. Uh, no, it's there's no video for it. Okay, that's album. what I'm by saying. That's what <laughs> I'm okay, Buy the record tonight. But you know what, Mike? Then it's up to you to make the video tomorrow. And then we'll debut it on the Sunday live stream Sunday. Can you make one of those yeah. isolation videos of that with the guys? Because honestly, I, I, I don't mean to like pressure you on it, but you know, I'm kind of no, trying to ask. There was a, a song favorite. we did that with Can 150. There was a. <laughs> 
Sorry, what did you say? I want you to make one of those, you know, those videos that they that everybody's making these days. The Goon yeah, Squad made one. Yeah, I was part of one in Finland. They had a song called uh, uh, In Front of Something New. It was uh, 150 artists. I played the sax solo on it that uh, came out a while ago and, you know, how all these, you know, all these people. The thing is, uh, sending, making a video and sending it via WeTransfer, I can do that, but it takes forever. Last night I was sending that. Alice clip for you three times oh, no. and it didn't go through. I was like, well, you, almost 90%. It says, okay, 22 minutes left. Then it says, 30 minutes left. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I'm waiting and it well, doesn't go through. I was like, it was like, must have been two in the morning when it finally went through. Here's so, the deal. So uh, I'm not good at that stuff. So no, I'd no. love to make a video if it was easier. <laughs> I know you say you're not user friendly, but you're definitely friendly enough. It be, and, the, and the internet gods like you enough that our Wi Fi connection has been quite stellar through this whole entire show it really has so uh it, it has you yeah. must have been doing something right and even though you're very animated when you move and that kind of messes up sometimes with the wi-fi you did great everything worked out perfectly there was a little i'm glad to have you on i hope to have you on again i hope to get uh, i'm gonna sort of sort of, like I said, get you and uh, Rich and Steve and Sammy and Carl to maybe do one of those videos for that song that you just gave us the lyrics to. Yeah. So, and, and, and put it the out now. Pitfalls of being an outsider. Yes. And somebody asked about Andy McCoy. No, it's unlikely that we're going to work together again. For, oh, okay. Uh, so, to ask, just to answer, I forgot, I, I missed okay. the name, but... Uh, well, I know there was yeah. a couple anyway, questions out but, there. Uh, yeah, that song, uh, the new album, I mean, has, I have no need to work with anyone other than this band because, and, and with you, of course, you want to do... Anything oh, with I'm you, doing Roxy. that. I'm, I'm, I'm emailing you right Mr. after this Roxy. podcast ends. for you, Ryan. <laughs> but there's the current band. There's the current lineup. We, uh, Vic can Photoshop my little face in on the side at one point. And then... <laughs> but anyway. But yeah, I mean, this has been great fun, and uh, we got to do a part two, man. We will. We will. And you know what? On part two, we're going to open up the floor to a little bit more questions from the, from the people that have been in the chat. You guys have yeah. been killer. At one point, I, I'm looking, and there's like 600 people watching all the world, you know, in and it's it's a very cool thing to know that everybody's hanging out here interested in your stories because you got a ton of them and the way you tell them. So I, I just want to thank uh, vocalist, saxophonist, harmonica player, and all-around legend Mike Monroe for coming on In the Trenches. Thank you, buddy. Now, can people, so the people, the, the, the very few that might not already be following you on uh, Instagram, uh, where are they going to find you? Is it at Mike Monroe Official? Is that where it's? I think it's Michael, Michael Monroe Official. I okay. Think. At Michael that Monroe Official. And maybe Vic has that uh, the, clip up. And the Facebook yeah, I guess so. I'm so bad at that stuff. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, I think it's Michael Monroe official uh, in, uh, Instagram and then Facebook. I post stuff on Facebook, you know, photos. Well, go and, find uh, him. Just Google the name. You're going to find it. It's going to come up. And and of course, yeah. you know, I, I would, I, I'm going to get yelled at if I don't say it again, but uh, please subscribe to uh, our channel right now if you're watching on uh, YouTube or Facebook. If you're just listening to it, enjoy the ride, of course. And uh, Michael... I'm looking forward to a part two. It's been great. Hang on the line for just one second. I want to thank everybody that's been in on the chat the whole entire day. I wanted to really quickly bring these guys Me on too. the air that they've been helping all day. Thank Dave's you. been hey, monitoring the he's been monitoring hey, the chat rats. right over there. <laughs> rats. The rats been you know monitoring. We have a project called Sucker Rat's Ass. We have a band called Sucker Rat's Ass with Sammy and this one guy in uh, that we did. A Dead Boy song once, and the band was called Sucker Rat's Ass. So uh, I love the rat name, Rat's well, Rizzo and all that. <laughs> well, 
He he's the one responsible for all the Jerusalem Slim questions. So there you go. Okay. Send your hate don't mail there. I'm happy to talk about anything. I just don't want to get into too much negativity. And uh, you know, life is not all Jim uh, Jim Dandy all the time. But uh, the truth be known. The more important, most important thing is the truth. You know, I tell the truth. Truth is out. The in truth is out. There. Lies or whatever. But uh, thank you guys and. That was really great. That was great. Stories are amazing. Yeah, it's been great time. There's tons of those. (laughs) Plenty more where that came from. Hey, Rat, did you want to clear your name real quick? Rat, what was it? What would you have to say? Well, I I just wanted to say there wasn't a lot of information out there about that, which is why I thought it would make a good question. Now I know why there's not a lot of information. Well, I think Michael gave you all the information you needed. I'm glad we... Well, I'm glad we cleared it up, you know, and, and, you know, it's something that people want to know about. Of course, I'll talk about it. I got nothing to hide. Mm-hmm. I'll just try to try to, uh, you know, concentrate on a positive more more than a negative. But that was necessary anyway. So well, there no you go. problem, man. I'm happy to offer that information. <laughs> Michael is a great guest. He is the real deal. That's the quote I just ha- thought of for tonight. So from, from I saw that, too. That was wonderful. Thank you. Great. <laughs> and, and, the, and the one thing I want to take over there for everybody and everybody should that's listening PMA, positive mental attitude, have one. Michael has one. It's proven that it's legendary to have one. And of course, and rock, rock like fuck. fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys very much for tuning in to uh, the live stream edition of In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy. Uh, make sure you go and follow it. Make sure you go and follow Michael. And thank you very much for watching. Until next time, I'm Ryan Roxy. Enjoy the ride. See you for part two. In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy. Hello.